Welcome to The Rachel Kujup Show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with an incredible friend, business partner and human, Jackie Maloney. Jackie is an actress and voiceover artist and media trainer. Using her years of experience on stage, in front of the camera and on a microphone, Jackie helps mentor those in the business space about how to best promote themselves and share their story with the world using different forms of media. Do you need help building confidence and nailing your performance on camera? Maybe you want to become a more charismatic public speaker. Or if you're wanting to improve your vocal skills for podcasts or live interviews, Jackie is your go-to. Today, we're talking about how to express yourself, craft your story and build confidence online. I know you're going to get so much from this conversation with Jackie. So let's dive in. so excited to speak with you today about public speaking and specifically how to build your confidence on screen because many of my clients and community, and I know you're probably going to laugh at this, have recently commented that they wish they'd done acting or drama or public speaking at school because with the uptake of video, it's never been more important to have tools to express yourself and connect with your audience online. And I did all of those things. I did debating, but I also know from experience, like these things aren't taught when you start business. They aren't taught for any type of like thing in your career. So before we dive into all of your strategies and your tips and advice, I thought it'd be really cool to briefly hear about your career journey today and why you've chosen to help business owners in this way. Yeah. Um, Firstly, thank you for having me. Uh, Second, I think career-wise, I've kind of gone the opposite way. I know that there are quite a lot of people who sort of have their corporate career or their career and then they go, hang on a second, there's just like this urge for me to jump back into doing something creative and acting just seems to be a thing that people decide to do because they just want to have that freedom and that they get that element of playback. So, no, my story is the opposite of that. Um, All through high school, I did, you know, extracurricular speech and drama lessons. I did music. I did dance. You name it. I did it. Um, I even did drama studies as one of my final year um, exams way back when. And then it was sort of encouraged by my parents to get a real job. And I know that it came from a lot of love and that need for me to have security because let's be honest, um, I think the saying is, oh, you're an actor, so which restaurant do you work at? You know, and that stings for a little bit. But I think when the passion is there and everything else that I tried in those early formative 20s, you know, years, it just didn't hold that same enthusiasm and joy that I was really seeking. Uh, so I moved to New York and, and I think it was just before my 24th birthday to study acting. I'd just done a part-time course for six months and I was just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, this is what I want to do. And one of the teachers suggested these incredible women um, in New York. And so I packed a couple of suitcases and off I went. And it was honestly just the most mind-blowing experience And, you know, I think the thing that I take away from acting is more, not the skills as such, but it's just that ability to be vulnerable 
and to be up on a stage with no one else around you and just that ability to be able to tell a story. And if you fail, that's okay. And if you, you know, fall over on stage, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. And I think some of these things that are not typically acting training have really helped me in my career um, and then also in my coaching as well. And, you know, a lot of my clients are just, they are so fearful of being judged and making mistakes and, you know, being seen as a fool. And I'm just like, I just want you to embrace all of that because, you know, that's where the fun and the juice is really. Um, So yeah, came back, started being an actor, got into voiceover as well, which I just, I love. It's just that ability to be in front of a microphone and play with characters and voices and, you know, working from corporate to and commercial, but then I'm moving more into doing character acting. I really want to get into video games. I think that that, I mean, like that market is huge. So opportunities there are just like to do little voices and to do all that kind of thing. So I'm, that's my focus. Um, but yeah, I think as much as the gig lifestyle is fun and enticing and exciting, it's also, I think once you get to a certain age, you just say, all right, cool. This lifestyle has been great for so, for so long, but I really just need to start making some, some money and have that stability back in my life again. So I really questioned whether or not my skills had relevance anywhere else in the world, other than, you know, being in front of a camera doing characters. And it wasn't until a business coach said, you know, just go for it. Like so many people are needing your expertise because COVID was happening and people are just like, I don't know what to do. And so, yeah, I just, it was just a leap of faith, but honestly, if it hadn't been for that business coach, I probably would have gone back to doing more study thinking that I didn't have enough skills to teach and to step into that space. So I think that's, you know, full circle. That's where I'm at now. Think. There's so much to take away from your story. And the thing that I love most is that vulnerability piece at each stage, because it would have been, you know, a really scary decision to like trust yourself, back yourself, then go to New York, a place that maybe you haven't been to before in a new environment and to have to be vulnerable in a space that, you know, not necessarily you feel hundred percent comfortable with yet. Then to, you know, come back into like Australia and then to, you know, try to do other work. And then even with your business. And I think, it's such an important consideration because business, you do need to be vulnerable. And I agree with you. Many of the reasons why my clients, you know, they'll get sent opportunities to do public speaking, speak at a conference, speak at a mastermind, go live on Instagram, and they just ignore them. And I think you're so right. It's the vulnerability piece because we might not have the skill sets, which is fine. We might not have the experience, which is fine. But I think it really comes down to like, like you said, I don't want to look a fool. And I've spoken about this before. And we talked about this um, before we hit record that like, when I speak, I like watch back myself and my body language. And I'm like, cringe. I'm all like flapping around. And I've often talked about, I'm a squirmer. So like on stage, when they like have me on the seats, particularly when they're uncomfortable seats, why do they make you sit on the worst seats ever? One, my bum doesn't fit. I'm sliding off. And two, I'm so squirmy and I'm trying to literally not to fall off on stage. In my head, I'm like, Rachel, don't fall off. Don't fall off while I'm also speaking. But you know what? I do it. And a lot of people have said, oh, I loved how natural you looked. You were like a real person. I loved how expressive you were. I was up the back. I could see through your body language what you're saying. So like it's always served me. But each time I thought I look like a dickhead, even when I've like done the best stuff, I'm like, I look terrible. My voice is croaky. So 
how do we kind of get over that? Because it's one thing to say, be vulnerable, be yourself. But like I said, I still have that voice every single time I'm doing anything public. Yeah. I mean, look, that that voice is never going to go anywhere, right? Um, I think the more work you put in, though, that voice just gets like smaller and it gets less loud. And so, yeah, there's definitely ways that you, I mean, I still, I still have butterflies doing this, you know, every time I walk into an audition, oh my goodness, even though I know the casting director, I know the process I've prepared, it's just, you know, it's important to us. So it's just, it's natural to feel those nerves and feel that voice come up that says, you're not good enough for this, or, you know, you don't deserve this or all that sort of stuff. Um, I think the big takeaway there is just, and it's what I keep saying over and over again, and I feel like I'm a broken record, but in acting, the most important person on the stage is whoever you're on stage with, right? It's not about you. It's about, you know, your scene partner, or if you're on stage and it's a monologue, it's about connecting to the audience. And as soon as we remove the importance on ourselves and put that onto other people, we just can start to relax a little bit. And it's just like, okay, cool. I'm just having a conversation with another person. But I remember there's an acting exercise that we do. And it's like, if we're talking to our scene partner, my coach will be right here on one shoulder and I'll say a line and he'll be, and he would say to me, did they get that? And I'm just like, no, they didn't. Okay. How else can I say it? Is it something in my body language? Is it eye contact? Is it moving towards them? Is it moving back? And I am forced to change things up because until that scene partner gets the words that I'm saying, this scene's about to fall apart. And it's the same when you are talking at a networking event or in a board meeting or whatever it is. If you can't connect to the other humans in the room and in the space, you know, it doesn't matter what you have to say and it doesn't matter how prepared you are. So I think taking the pressure off of ourselves and putting that focus into whomever you're speaking to, whether it be one person or a thousand people, just takes the pressure of us a little bit. It's just like, cool, what do they need from me? Let me serve them. Let me stand up for them. Um, so I think that, that that's probably the mindset stuff that's coming in. And then, you know, all the tools and all of the skills and all that kind of stuff can come in on, on top of that. It's just like, I know I've prepared. I know where my pauses need to be. I know where I need to do my non-verbals and take a step here or move my hands or be still in this moment that I really want to connect with them. But it's just like, how can I focus my attention onto every single person and make them feel like I'm there for them? And you can just be like, cool, I'm here. I'm here to do my job. And I'm really excited to share that. So I think that would be the best place for you to start is it's like, it's not about you. It's about whomever you're speaking to. They are the most important person in this scenario. I think that's such amazing advice because it gets you out of your own head and you start, like you said, you know, wanting to serve others. And it also stops me from being like, I'm all like squirmy and looking at the other person and being like, are they engaging? Are they able to make eye contact with me? Are they listening to me? Yeah. Can they hear me? Do they look like they're straining to hear me? You know, are they getting distracted? Are they able to see me? Should I move if I am like, you know, sitting or because I pace like, you know, on a random side of the stage, I've decided to stop on, like, do I need to come back to the center and things like that? So it allows me, you're so right to focus on them and forget about myself. And then when I'm, you know, moving and changing those things, I can see their reaction, which is why I love having an audience. I think for me, the hardest part is not having an audience and sitting at home and being like, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to share. Like, I don't know how to move. Like I need to go online and do X. 
but I'm not sure how because one of the first things I teach my clients to do is to not try and get you know online on stage and perform per se but to actually do some self-reflection to identify like their origin story you know similar to what you shared before you know their key messages and I know this is something that you help your clients to do too that preparation that you keep coming back to so why is it so important for people to identify what their story is and then to share it yeah it's a really great question uh preparation for me is almost as important as really figuring out who your audience is you know like I'll always um when Beyonce did her Coachella act right you know she rehearsed that for eight months now she is the best entertainer in the world at the moment in our current um, generation. But and her with J Lo, I just watched her halftime um, uh, show that they did on Netflix, and it was just the preparation. Like these are women at the top of their games. This is not their first rodeo, but what goes into making that performance is just all the juicy stuff that happens behind the scenes so that when we see it as an audience, it looks flawless. It looks perfect. It looks like Beyonce performing, right? So preparation is just so important. And I think the earlier you can start that process, the more flow you get when you get asked these opportunities to speak. And it might be, hey, you know what? Like we've just had someone call in sick. We've got this massive, you know, um, women's luncheon on Friday and it's Wednesday. You know, we know that you speak about mindset or about women's empowerment. Can you jump up? We're in a, we're in a pickle. Pickle, all right. Um, and it's just like if you're ready and if the preparation has been done, then there's no scramble. You know, you can sit in your power and just go, cool, my story is solid. I might need to tweak it ever so slightly because I'm now in front of a room full of women as opposed to maybe saying this sort of similar speech at, let's say, a Rio Tinto staffing where there's men and women. So we want to have more references to the women in the room and maybe what their experiences are. So we have to be a chameleon in that way and just be like, how do I adjust ever so slightly? And I'll use the example of comedians. They're great. They'll go on tour and it could be different cities and they'll always try and throw in a local joke or something specific to say Melbourne versus Perth or, you know, like if he's, you know, if the comedian's been in Perth and then he's come to Melbourne, he might have a jibe at the way that Perth people do things. I'm from Perth, so I can say that. Um, but, you know, it's that way of having relevance and that connection to the audience. His set doesn't change, um, but it's just having those little like mini connections. So starting and preparing early. And I mean, I was talking to a beautiful woman the other day and she had said to me, I knew one day that my story was going to come up and that I was going to have an opportunity to speak about it. So she's like, I've written it. And I was like, this is brilliant. So she didn't have a talk or a date in mind in like anything. There wasn't anything specifically coming up. She's like, I knew one day I was going to have to share this story. So I've written it down. And so she's already started that process. And then now we get to refine it and edit it. And then we get to get in performance. But I was just so blown away that she just anticipated that this was something important to her and it, she knew she had an audience for it. And she's like, I wrote my story. And I was like, this is great. This is so, so good. Versus um, another client of mine who we really had to sort of start from scratch. We had a time limit and it just wasn't enough time to get her story in flow because we did have a deadline and it was less than a week. 
And so that's when things start to get tricky. And then that's when you start panicking and scrambling. Oh, I've got to do this and then I've got to do that. And then life gets in the way in between that. So my, yeah, honestly, get started as soon as you can. If you know that you have a story that's important and that needs to be shared, write it down, do dot points at least. But then you know that that momentum is there and you're also putting it out to the universe that, hang on a second, my story is going to help someone and that's the most important thing. And then more opportunities will come your way because the universe acknowledges that, hey, you want to be on a stage somewhere sharing this. So we're going to give you those opportunities. I think that's such great advice. And I know that's something that I've done. I've got speaking notes on the talks I talk about and what I want to cover. I've got examples perfect um, example is that I'm going on like a month long break at time of recording and someone that I was speaking to on a podcast, a previous guest, she invited me to speak at one of her conferences um, and I had to get everything done before I go on holiday because I'm taking September off and the conference is in October. I was like, yep, I'm going to speak on this topic about this and I've got it all out. It's going to create some slides and I've got to speak to it. And it was such an easy yes. One, because she's incredible. I'd love to be a part of it. But two, with that time limit, exactly like you said, I knew that what I need to do and everything that I had, it was already there. I could just simply create it in a few hours, record it, put it out into the world, done, and then come back and be a part of it after my break. And I know if I didn't have all of that, it would have had to be a hard no because I'm not doing any work and I've had to give up that opportunity when I didn't really need to because I was already like, you know, prepared. So I think anyone listening to like start writing these things down even like I know for some of my clients don't like writing so I say things like we'll record like a voice memo to yourself or you know just a voice memo send it in an email save it you know tell a friend and just hit record while you're telling your friend the story and then save it anything like that to kind of capture those moments because also I think when they happen they're so much clearer and you've got a clear message and you've got all the feelings. And then after a while, I don't know about you, maybe you're different, but with me, some of my own personal stories, I've told them so many times. It's kind of like, I'm not telling them myself anymore because it's kind of written and crafted and that's great. But some of the like raw emotion is gone. And so sometimes I have to remind myself of what it felt like and kind of put that back in because I'm just kind of can speak to without thinking. And I think, um, which is a good thing and a bad thing, but I think for a lot of people, just having it there in the first place would be so important. And I know also for a lot of my, you know, clients and community, once they have that story, that then they're like, well, how do I like best tell it? You know, we see on Instagram all the time, you know, you should have a ring light. These are the editing things, you know, speak slower because I'm stupidly fast uh, speaker, all of that kind of stuff. So I'd love to know, you know, there are so many tools and so much training that is available that we could be using to help us tell that story in a way that like looks good, easy for our like audience to engage with. What would you recommend for tools and training? Yeah. I mean, the the need for media training is just so important at the moment. I know a few of my clients are just like, yeah, I'd love to be on the project and I really want to talk about this and I really want to get on TV and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, that's great. And I love that. But until you've prepared for that, like you get five minutes and that is your window and they might not even use that five minutes. So you don't have time to ramble. You don't have time to fidget. You know, TV is just so still and nuanced. 
you know, do you have your questions prepared? Are you used to doing a live interview? Like podcasts are amazing and they're great for practice, but there's so much more that goes on when you're in a TV studio and there's a million different people running around you, crew, lighting, sound, everything, producer, guys behind the camera, and those nerves kick in, right? And especially if this is not an environment that you're used to. So it's just like, great, cool. Let's practice doing all of that. You know, let me throw in a few curveball questions that you weren't ready for because inevitably they will come up. Not to stitch you up by any means, but if the journalist has, you know, been inspired by something that you've said and then sort of goes, actually, can we talk on that? And you're just like, uh, yeah, yeah, we can. Um, so, uh, yeah, great. So that's 20 seconds already gone of your five minute, you know, 15 minutes of fame sort of thing. So, you know, being on stage, you can practice so much. It's like, what happens when the microphone doesn't work? What happens when someone stands up and there's always that one or two people and not every time, but there's that one person that wants to trip you up because they're jealous. Yep. And they'll ask you a curveball question live in front of 500 people. Yeah. So um, I don't agree with that. And it's just like, cool. How do we manage that when you're on stage and you haven't prepared for all of these things? You know, podcasts, again, a lot of people waffle because they're just like, oh, it's just like having a conversation. It's like, yes, it is. But there are clear things that you need to do first to make sure that you are a prolific podcast you know, um, guest and that you'll be asked back or you'll be suggested for others. So I think a lot of people because of COVID have gotten away with so much, which is amazing. It's now just refining that. And it's just, okay, great. I've seen her on TV. She's brilliant. I want to book her for another, you know, thing that we've got going on. Or if the project see you, maybe channel 10 want you next for the news because you just got on, you got on camera and you were so engaging and your message was clear and succinct. We want you back. So media training is really important. I'm always going to go back to acting training. Um, if you can get yourself into an improv class, please, please, please do. Um, a lot of improv schools, um, there was actually one here in Melbourne last night. It was a free, a free class and then they got you to come to their show afterwards. And it's just, again, it's getting you out of your head and back into your imagination and just being a goof. And being a goof in front of people because it just it just breaks down those barriers of everyone needing to be perfect and, you know, seen a certain way. It's just like, you know, when you're taken out of the need to say things like this or do things a certain way and just be like, okay, cool. I'm just, you know, I'm going to make a joke and it's going to be great and I'm going to survive and everything's going to move on after tonight so I can handle whatever comes my way. Um, so improv classes are fantastic. Uh, I also just think having conversations with people about things that light you up or that you're vulnerable about or that things that may seem uncomfortable. I think if you can have those conversations with your closest humans and know it's not going to be the end of the world, then you can really build up that strength and that resilience to have those conversations on podcasts that are going to be heard by a few hundred people TV when it's going to be broadcast, YouTube. I mean, I was just watching um, Brené Brown yesterday and when she shared of her first talk back in 2011, she was having lunch with a friend the next day and she's just like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't let that YouTube video go out because, oh, my goodness, five, 500 people are going to see that. And her friend's just like, um, it's on YouTube. 
Like it's going to be more than 500 people. And she had just shared so vulnerably, vulnerably and she was in a panic because now who knows who was going to see that. So the reach for what we do online now can be so big. It's just like, are we ready for when that moment happens? So again, start from bare bones, have those conversations with people around you and build up from that. So I think that with my three points, media training, do an improv class just for fun and start having those conversations around nearest and dearest and just get used to it, get used to being uncomfortable and moving through it. I love this so much because as an ex-journo who asks a lot of questions, interviews people, plus I've been on the other side of that, like I've been on stage, I've had that annoying person asked me really personal, inappropriate questions. And I've also been on the other end journalists where they didn't think that the microphone was turned on. And I heard everything they said about me prior to going live oh on my God. Um, radio. Goosebumps. Ugh. Yeah. It not a fantastic experience, but in each of those, I, I wouldn't say I've had training per se, but I understood it. But you know, each time I really had to hold myself in that uncomfortable feeling, you know, the butterflies and then more so and continue to talk. And it is so freaking hard. Like I'd say I'm pretty confident and I'm, you know, thankful that I'm actually quite fast sort of, you know, in the thinking people ask me a question, come out straight with an answer. And I know um, from experience, say my partner processes things at a different rate and that's not saying it's better or worse, but for him, he would need so much more training because he does want to pause and wait a minute. And like you said, on TV, radio, even getting asked a question in the audience, you can't wait a couple of minutes until you've collected your thoughts, all of that stuff. And I was just so thankful that I was like a quick on my feet and knew the material. I was quite confident and had prepared in my head all the possibilities. Otherwise, I probably would have done more of the ums and ahs. I did feel my body changing though. Like I did feel defensiveness trying not to cross my arms. I did feel heat, you know, so I did go red and things like that. But I was like, I was just so thankful that that's all it was. But afterwards, the reason why I'm saying this afterwards, it was a huge kind of like come down where I did feel like really vulnerable. I was concerned, you know, I had a bit of trauma come up for it and I wasn't prepared, all of that kind of stuff. So I really loved your point on practicing, you know, for the way you communicate, your body language, having fun, and also talking to friends. Because in each of those situations, I signed on to that opportunity. At no point were they meant to guide me through it or, you know, cotton ball me. And maybe they should have. There's some ethics that we could talk about it. But it was really on me to handle all of that. And, you know, there was no kind of like aftercare. It was just like, bye, push me outside the studio. See ya. Um, so again, you have to be really prepared. And especially if it's a personal story and all of mine were extremely personal and it did make me not want to do anything. Um, and I didn't for like a good few years until again, I feel more confident to do so. So I do want to share that because it's really hard. No one's out there to protect you. And when it is personal stories, it's really kind of on yourself. Like if you say yes to it, they're assuming that you're good to go yeah. and you can't stop halfway through a live TV. We can and be like, I don't want to do this, but most of us don't. And we experience the trauma kind of on live and then have to process it afterwards. So a question that I've been asking everyone who's been a guest recently is how they've thrown out the rule book and grown their business their own way. So would you mind sharing how your acting career, becoming a public speaker and really 
doing voice acting and all of this amazing work has helped you to build a more aligned, sustainable and profitable business? Yeah, uh, I love this question as well. Um, I think when I first started wanting to, you know, teach people about confidence on camera and public speaking, it I loved the idea of it, but I was just also being an actor is part of my identity. And for a little, for a hot minute, when I say hot minute, I reckon it would probably have been about sort of six to 18 months. There was this huge pushback and I'm just like, you can't give up being an actor to do this coaching. That's not what you were put on this earth to do. You've worked so hard, you know, years and tears and all of the above or all of the in-between. And so there was this, and there was also this real imposter syndrome coming through as well, right? I was watching everyone succeeding. I was watching people who had degrees and this and that and had been working in their field for X amount of years. And they used all of that in their marketing and their messaging. And I'm just like, God, what does a little actress know about business or anything? And I learned the long way and probably the hard way as well. You know, I sort of dabbled in coaching and then just went, no, and then focus on acting and then dabbled in coaching and then focus on acting. So, you know, in hindsight, I wish I'd gone all in on the coaching and it was really interesting. I had a beautiful conversation with a friend of mine and he's just like, babe, you just need to flip the narrative. Like acting gets to be your hobby and gets to be fun. And, you know, you build a business outside of your acting And he's just like, that's where the money comes in. That's where you get to serve. That's where you get to have amazing clients that you get to choose. And then when an audition comes up, you know that you're not working nine to five, that you have to set aside half a day or whatever. You know, your clients love you. So if an audition or a voiceover comes in at 10 and their session's at 10.30, they'll have no problem shifting to 11.30 like because they support you and they want to help you and this career because they're invested as well. And I'm just like, oh, so I can have both? And he's just like, absolutely, you can have both. And so that really helped me just be like, yes, acting gets to keep being the fun thing that you love and you get to drop everything for because you've created a business and a lifestyle that allows you to do that. And so... I'm really proud of myself for doing that. I know that there are a lot of actors in my position, same age, same experience, et cetera, and they're still working casual jobs. And if an audition comes up, they need to lose that entire shift because they can't start the shift, go to do the audition, which is, it's like, it's a 15 minute, maybe nothing's like nothing's you know nothing comes to fruition until you get that contract so it's just like for a lot of us giving up a whole shift for 15 minutes of oh you might get it you might not so I think that for me was that driving force to create a business where I get to do things on my terms now and I really wanted to get my power back for being an actor but also you'll hear this, not suffering for my art, which a lot of you, I mean, you've heard that before, um, but it, it it can be like that and it can feel like, you know, there's just so much about what we do that goes unnoticed and unpaid and the hard work that goes in behind the scenes. And, you know, when we do a commercial, everyone's like, oh my God, that must've been so embarrassing. And I was like, well, maybe it was, but it was also a paycheck that I don't get every single week. So when those opportunities come up, I have to take them. Um, so yeah, look, I'm proud of myself for creating this and I love the clients that I get to work with. 
I think one of the other things that I love is that, you know, for a title that I used to cringe telling people that I did when I went to networking events, especially with older men, corporate men, and they're just like, oh, yeah, you're an actor. All right. So what have you been in? And it was that real empowering moment where I'm just like, actually, if you turn on the TV tonight, when you get home from this, you probably see me on this and this and this. And then if you jump in the car tomorrow morning and turn on the radio, I've got voiceovers out for this, this and this. So, yeah, I'm actually doing quite a bit. Thank you. But until those moments, you're just like, oh, you know, how embarrassing. I'm an actor and I haven't really done much. And that doesn't mean I'm not a good actor. It just doesn't. There's just so much sort of disconnect between what people who don't understand that creative arts world is all about. Um, And I think the other thing was working with clients and when you sort of use an acting example with the work that you're doing and they're just like, wow, that just changed everything. And I'm just like, and it is, it's that quiet win. It's of like, you know, our actors as storytellers are some of the best storytellers because of the way that the work that we go into to get these nuanced performances And like when you see some of the greats like Meryl Streep and she'll just do something with her eyes and it'll be this like change in her posture and it changes the entire scene. And like, again, I've got goosebumps thinking about the way that she works. And it's just like, yes, what we do as performance has merit in the world, regardless of, you know, it's just not limited to TV and, and, and music and all that kind of stuff, you know, inflecting that in storytelling and how we connect with people and our audience is just so important. So I really just love that we're able and I'm able to bring that into coaching and training and getting people who don't think that they're storytellers to actually start believing that they are. There's just a few little skills that they need to learn and then they're on their way and it's really quite, it's lovely. It's a nice feeling. It's so powerful, isn't it? It's something that I can definitely relate to in terms of like writing because people think that they're not great writers. And again, it's a skill set, but everyone can learn it. And again, seeing how they're able to express themselves through words, you know, through the way that they teach, through the services. Again, it's like those silent wins. Like there's no one around, but I'm like, yes, like screaming on the other side of Zoom. My poor clients, it's like, whoa, because they get so like excited um, about it. And I also loved your point on not suffering for your art. I think it's also not suffering for your business and not suffering for your passion. I know many, you know, listeners, they're doing this because they're incredible at what they do. They're passionate about it. They're highly skilled. They want to help others. And often they're thinking that they need to make really large sacrifices for life, for business, for their skill set to get ahead. And I love that you shared that because sometimes it is a reframe and especially for my multi-passionate listeners, which I am, you know, I want to be able to do all of the things and I should be able to do all of the things, you know, within reason. I shouldn't have to like pigeonhole myself. I should be able to use all of my skill sets knowing they all feed and support each other. And I can obviously see how that supports you and your business too, because you're there coaching your clients while also going through all of those feelings and pushing yourself and doing extra training yourself. And you can really then impart that knowledge as opposed to, which we see out there in the business world, someone coaching or speaking or training, and they haven't done the actual thing for the last 20 years. I'd much rather um, get support by someone such as yourself, who's literally being like, I went to an audition today and here's all the things that I felt and here 
is how I'm going to support you to move through those feelings too. So if a business owner wanted to start saying yes to public speaking opportunities, what are three simple things that they can do today? Yes. Great question. Um, Look, uh, I think it's only in in the recent last sort of 12 months is saying yes and figuring it out. You know, I think you said at the top of this, so many of your clients just say no to opportunities because they fear it. I think as long as you can't, you've got a, a backup plan or a contingency plan, it's like, great, okay, great. I've said yes to this thing. Holy shit, oh, my goodness, you're going to go through all of the feels. But so saying yes, your contingency plan should be something along the lines of this. Having your story or a speech in dot points or, like you said, a voice note somewhere or a conversation that you've recorded with a friend about your ideas around that particular topic and you're like, cool, great, I've thought about this, I'm just going to get it on paper, I'll do a few quick edits and I'm like, okay, cool, now I'm already part of the way. So you're already moving forward rather than going, nah, that's just a dead no for me to begin with. And then I know I'm going to keep saying it again, but media training is just so important because I think you've said this already before, your listeners are so multi-passionate about things and they're also here to serve their clients and their audience and whatever, but they're also wanting to create visibility. You know, we want to be seen as thought leaders. I'm not saying that I'm the be all and end all expert about public speaking, but the way in which I go about it is different to somebody else. And so that's my journey. That's my message. And so I want to be seen in my industry as the actress who thought she could kind of thing. And, you know, bringing my particular flair to this art form. And so Media training is so important for that because if your message is clear and it's important to a lot of people, I just don't want you to go on stage in front of a camera on a podcast and then flop because you're not prepared in like little nuanced ways or we haven't done a live interview, like we haven't rehearsed for a live interview. So now you get the chance to be on the project and you're just like, Carrie, you look amazing. Um, Now five minutes over, boom. So, Because media opportunities can happen in a flash. You know, you can be on stage and like you said, it's just, it's so exciting and you just get all of these good feels. And then when you come off stage, you, like you said earlier, it's that vulnerability crash of did I share too much or am people going to think that I'm an idiot or, oh, my God, I really wished I'd said this one thing because it was so important and it was I, I told myself that I was going to share it. It's like, cool, if your structure is there and your rehearsal is there, you're not going to forget those important points and you're not going to come off stage going, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. So those would be my three points to get everyone started. And I'm working with a couple of clients at the moment. There is no event coming up for them, but we are preparing them for yes opportunities. And when one comes up, they're like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. And if you wanted listeners to take away one thing about being confident on screen, what would it be? I'm going to repeat myself yet again. It's not about you, right? So many of my clients are just like, oh, but I'm not blonde and I'm not pretty and I don't look that great on camera and I hate my voice and all that sort of stuff. It is not about you. It is about your audience. And if you don't show up, they don't see you. They don't know who you are. They can't know, like, and trust you, which we know is so important in any relationship, not just in business. 
So if they don't see you and they see someone else that offers the exact same thing as you do, they're going to go because you have not given them the opportunity to see you and learn from you and want to invest their money in working with you. So if it's about connecting with your clients, make it about them. What can you talk about today? If it's about selling your product, sell that product. Um, I'm working with a sales coach at the moment because I'm just like, I don't want to be too salesy. She's like, it's not about being salesy. It's about letting people know what it is that you do. Because if they don't, then don't be surprised that sales aren't coming in for you. And people are there just screaming for help in one, like in an area of their life that you can give them. But if we're not telling them, then they're just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to sit here and feel vulnerable and feel like crap. And I don't know what I'm doing. It's just like, all you need to do is show up and say, hey, I want to help you with this because I know that you're struggling with it. And it's this masterclass that I'm holding. It's on this day. I want you to come and join me. And oh my God, put a filter on it. I don't care. Put some mascara on, you know, brush your hair. I brushed my hair just today for you. But again, it's not about me and how I look on camera. Um, And from a business perspective, you're leaving money on the table by not showing up. So I'll leave it at that. Rant over. Yes, such a powerful reminder to end on. So thank you so much for coming on to the Rachel Kujip Show and sharing your story, insights and wisdom. I know listeners are going to take away so much from what you've shared here today. Thank you for having me.